Good morning. Can everybody hear me? Okay. Good morning. Uh, my name is Willie Figueroa. I'm a pastor of a small church, uh, and I'm also a hospice. My, my first job is I'm a hospice chaplain. Uh, none of you this morning, thank God, are dying, right? You can say yes to that, and that means you're alive. Well, let me t- send you greetings. Uh, my church that I pastor is Grace Presbyterian Church, and when I come here to Gospel Fellowship, I am known as Sandra's husband. <laughs> Nobody knows me. They're like, who the heck is this dude, and where did he come from? So they, I, I am Sandra's husband. Usually everywhere people say, oh, you're Willie's, you're Willie's wife. Here I am Sandra's husband, which is cool. I want to send you greetings this morning uh, from Grace Presbyterian Church. My church is about 10 to 15 minutes away from here. We're on the corner of Hypoluxo and I-95. I pastor the church that your mom and your grandparents go to, the one that you don't want to go to, right? We have a Haitian church that meets there, and they got a bunch of Haitian kids, and I said, once they get older, they're going to want to come to Gospel Fellowship. They don't want to do church, and some of you are laughing because you know that's true. Uh, The church was founded in 1960. Most of you probably weren't born in 1960. It's been, we're going on uh, roughly about 60 years of being there, and uh, our church has had its heyday. It's had its big festivities. At one point, it was a church plant, and they planted, and it grew in the 60s and 70s and 80s in this country. People went to church. Some of you who are older understand that. Today, church uh, it, especially denominational churches in big trouble. So the church had its heyday, and they could build buildings. Uh, and the good thing about churches, and you know how older folks can be, nothing's changed, <laughs> right? So here at Gospel Fellowship, uh, build a church, correct? You can respond orally, right? Rodney would want you to say yes. You're trying to build a church, so what you're doing is you're gathering people, and you're making a movement, and one day you plan to have this auditorium full and so full that you'll need to buy a piece of property and then build a building. And so you guys have celebrated, I was there at the five-year anniversary, you guys have celebrated five years? Yeah. That's, a big, that's a big milestone. I was talking to one of my church planting friends, and they said, you know, Willie, four out of five church plants fail. And Sandra and I had planted a church. The reason that we're a gospel fellowship, we had planted a church, uh, and it failed. And uh, we were just absolutely exhausted. So we wanted to come to a place where we could just sit and relax, hear the word, and not do anything. So when Rod met with me, I said, hey, Rodney, I don't want to do anything at your church. I just want to sit and hide. I don't want to volunteer. I don't want to do youth ministry. Uh, But what happened was I got called to this other little church while Santa was here. And so, um, so... What we did at our church, because we're about 15 to 25 members, and we have some money in the bank, which is always good, Uh, our buildings are getting old, and our people are getting older, Uh, and when I took the church, I really didn't want to pastor it. You ever been to a place you didn't really want to be? Right? Well, that's most of my life with God. And so I went there, and I said, well, God, what would you have me do with this little church? I, I don't think our best years are behind us. Uh, so I went to, I, I stood to the elders and the congregation. I said, hey guys, 60 years from now, what do you think people will be saying about us and how we managed? And I could see in their faces, they're like, Willie, 60 years from now, we're not going to be here in 60 years. There'll be no church here in 60 years. 
And I said, well, from a human standpoint, you're correct. But from a God standpoint, I believe that we have a chance. Does that make sense? So this is what I want you to think this morning. And so thank God you guys are young, young people. It's good to be young, by the way. Um, I want you to think in your own life where you'll be 20, 30 years from now. And then think about gospel fellowship 55 years from now at its 60th anniversary. It'll it'll probably have a building. You'll probably have to go to the old folks' home to get Rodney to come. (laughs) Right? And so, but I want you to think about it because I started thinking about it. Now, the other thing that happened the last two weeks, I've gone to my church and I said, hey guys, we're going to study the book of Haggai. What we're going to do is we're going to try to ramp up to see what God would have us do with the property, with the resources, because we don't know what it's going to be like. So, but this week, Tuesday, I turned 50, right? Now, and you say, well, how can this guy be so emotionally healthy? Well, for 25 of those years, I've been married. So half of my life, I've been married. Isn't that cool? Right? And Sandra hasn't killed me yet. Right? And being a pastor's wife looks nice on TV, not so nice on real life. Right? And so I come to a realization when I'm doing this sermon, I'm like, I'm 50 years old. I don't think I'll make it to 100. I have a good shot at making it to 80. So if you do the math, most of my life that I've lived has already been happened to me. Right? So I have roughly 30 years in front of me. Most of you this morning have more of your life in front of you than you have behind you. Good? It's really good. Now, I haven't had a midlife crisis. I'll tell you why. Number one, I had wonderful parents that raised me. And Cubans don't have midlife crises. (laughs) I've been married to a wonderful woman who's really held me grounded. And really, the best thing that's happened for me is this is that I've known Jesus Christ since about the fourth grade. And that has set my life on a course um, that I could never imagine. But the question that I did ask last night and the whole week is, God, have I been earnest? Is there something else I should be doing? Is there someplace else I should be? Do I waste time on the internet? Or do I actually serve your kingdom? When, when I was a young man, they didn't have smartphones. They didn't have any phones. The big thing in my day was Atari. Some of you remember Atari, right? And if you got an Atari, then you got in television, which was incredible. Right? So we didn't have a lot of distractions, but now I say, Lord, do you want me to be earnest? So this morning, I'd like to share a couple words from Haggai. I'm going to skip through it. And th- this is what C.S. Lewis said. And the reason, the problem with my church and the problem with a lot of churches and a lot of problem with Christians is they've become complacent. They're not bad people. They're not evil people. They just become complacent. I wasn't born at this weight. I don't know who made me kingdom. <laughs> And I look at the mirror, I'm like, dude, what happened to you? You were strong and fast. Not so sexy, but strong and fast. What happened? Well, I got old. And it didn't happen overnight. It happened day by day. This is what C.S. Lewis says. He goes, indeed, the safest road to hell is a, soft, is a gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. 
your affectionate Uncle Screwtape. It's a senior devil running, uh, writing to a junior one, and he says, when you get your people, make sure that the path to complacency is long and slow and doesn't have any bends in it. Because what will happen, the person will get complacent. Um, from Shakespeare's A Virgin of Venice, he says this, if, if to do were so as easy as to know what were good to do, chapels had been churches and poor men's cottages, princes and palaces. So this morning, the, 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 this morning, I would tell you, it's not hard to know what to know. It's just hard to do it, right? Every time I go to the doctor, he says, Willie, you got to lose weight. I know. Doc. So how do you do that? Well, you got to eat differently. You got to exercise and you got to get more sleep. Now, do you think I do that? I do it sometimes, but not all the time. And so the path, un unless I change my behavior, unless I become earnest and I, and I get out of complacency, will always be a danger. And it's always a danger to a church. It's great that you guys are young because you need strong bodies and strong minds to build a church that's going to last into the future. My people uh, have strong minds. We don't have strong bodies. And there are days uh, that we don't do everything that we need to do as a church. We become, in a, in a small sense, complacent. Well, this is what the Lord said. And if you look at Haggai, and Haggai is an ancient book. Most of you have never probably read Haggai or ever want to. Well, it's only two chapters long. I can tell you this. If you read that book and outline it, Rodney will take you out to a nice lunch. It's a very simple book to read, and it's a very simple message. One, is a call to arms. Two, it's how to do it. Because, see, the people of Israel had been enslaved in Babylonia and were returning, and what Haggai's job was to do was to encourage the people to build the temple, which is what we call our church. So if Haggai lived in our time, he would say, let's build the church. Does that make sense? Because that's what you're here for. You're not here to fill up a room with 200 people. You're not here to buy a piece of property. You're not here so that gospel fellowship will last 100 years, and I hope it does. You're here to instill and have a godly legacy for yourself, for your family, and then for your church family. Does that make sense? Make sense? Well, the first thing that God said to Haggai is this. He says, uh, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So back then in chapter 1, they were saying, hey, we don't know if it's time to build the Lord's house. Let me give you a little clue. It's always time to do God's work. If you're, a, if you're a Christian, doesn't have to be a pastor, you don't take days off. When you're out there in public and when you go to work, you're, you're on as a Christian 24-7. The problem with the people when Haggai was talking to them, they were living in good houses, having a good time. And they said, hey, we just got back from the exile, we've had a rough time. And, 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 and what God says rhetorically to them, he says, hey, these people say it's not time. And when God says it's not time, what do you think he was saying? It is time. There is no tomorrow. I, my, I told you before, I'm a hospice chaplain. I work with people who are dying. Isn't that cool? Most of you don't ever want to do that. So I know that time is of the essence. I hope that all of you in this room live to 80 and die in your sleep. But that's not the case. So what I'm telling you is don't put things off to tomorrow, especially in the kingdom of God that you can do today. Amen. Let me tell you a quick story. I don't know how much. Rod, Rod said I could preach till 1 o'clock and it'd be fine. 
Sitting okay. Well, I got a call, and I had a patient, uh, wasn't doing well, and they called me and said, hey, would you do a wedding for our granddaughter because we don't know if grandma's going to be alive? Isn't that pretty cool when you get that kind of call? Um, I said, well, I can do it when? Sunday. Oh, Sundays are a bad day for me. I never do anything on Sundays because preaching and going to church is a full-time job. I thought about it, and even at 50 years old, I asked my wife about it. Um, and I said, hey, I'll do it, but I have to do it at 9 o'clock in the morning. I can't do it at 11 because I'm preaching. I can't do it. They couldn't do it in the afternoon. I said, well, no problem. I'll go at 9 and do it. So about, th- about two days notice, I did a wedding. And he said, well, Willie, you whacked your priorities out. And I did. And it, it cost me about three or four days just to catch up on all the stuff that I did. But why did I do it? Because I know time is of the essence. See, here's the trick if you're going to live this Christian life, if you're going to leave a godly legacy. You've got to understand what things are urgent and what things are you just rushing to do. Makes a difference. When I was in my 30s and 40s, when I had my kids were little, I rushed everywhere. But now, because I'm a little bit older and my kids are a little bit older, I can, think, I can weed out those things that are urgent. The next thing it says here, verse 5, and he says it in verse 7, I think every Christian needs to ask him this, is this. He says, now this is what the Lord God says. Give careful thought to your ways. See, most of us, we get so busy that we never think about what we do and how we do it. How many of you this week were busy? Right? Before you know it, it's Sunday, right? And some of you right now, even though I'm preaching a great sermon, you already think it's a Monday morning. Right? You're thinking, who the Dolphins going to, oh, they don't play this week. They play next week. Right? Who's on football? What am I going to do today? How am I going to wake up tomorrow? I'm already behind what bills I got. See, what happens is, he says, careful thought to your ways. And the last thing he says is this. He goes, he says, in Haggai, the Lord's messenger gave this message. So if you're going to build this godly legacy and you're going to walk in this world and it's very uncertain at times and there's issues and we, we're trying to build something for God, remember, God goes with you. I tell my patients all the time, most of my patients, most of my patients are older and they feel very lonely. And so I always tell them, I said, listen, I want you to know that there's not one minute of any day that God is not with you. And so I want to tell you that this morning. God's with you. Well, let's quickly go through this here. Um, well, well, the first thing that Haggai tells him in chapter 2 after this call, he says, take a look. He says, who is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Doesn't it seem like, does that seem nothing like, like nothing? How many people here are dolphin fans? Any Dolphin fans? All three of you. Okay. No worries. No worries. If we have Jets fans and Patriots fans, we'll pray for you. You know, the Dolphins good. See, when they rebuild the temple in Haggai's time, the temple was nothing like Solomon's. Solomon's temple was the building of all buildings. People came and they worked and it was beautiful. It was the talk of the town. It was the talk of the Middle Eastern world. People would come to that temple and go, man, God's doing a massive work. Then God himself with his glory came and filled it. Good day, huh? If you're church planning, that's the day you wait for. But what happened was, he says, take a look. And when they unveiled the temple, there was cheers from our young people And there was moans from the old people. Why? Because the young people had never seen its temple in its glory. They had never seen Solomon's temple. 
They had never seen the heyday. See, some of you here have never seen the Dolphins in their heyday. You've only known them as a last place team in the AFC East. And so what happened was there was a cry of lament, but then there was a cry of cheering because the young people said, man, this is really good. And the old people said, nah. Remember an old person, I'll say that to you? Remember the good old days? And they understood that this temple wasn't like the other temple. So what I told my church is, guys, we really have to take a look at where we are. We have to take a personal, personal look, but we also have to take a look at who What are we doing? Are these buildings really glorifying God as a church? The next thing he says is be strong. Because if you want to build a God, build this church, you got to be strong, right? Most of my life I've had to be strong. Uh, there's some days I didn't think I could be strong, but I've had to. I've, this is my 25th year of marriage. I've had to be strong for my wife. Our kids in their 20s, right? And I thought when they would be in their 20s that things would happen and I could do less work. But now in their 20s, I have to do even more work. I have to do more mentoring to my kids. And so this is what he says. He says, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, the governor. Be strong, Joshua, uh, the high priest. Be strong, the people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I'm with you declares the Lord God Almighty. So Rodney, which is a good thing. It takes a lot of work, as you guys know, to, to raise a church, right? Right? And Rodney's work, my wife works here. Uh, we made a deal. He said, well, why doesn't your wife go to church with you? Well, we thought one of the things that we could do as a couple is we could cover more ground if we split up. But the other thing, too, is I was like, man, I wish I would have had a Sandra in this capacity when I planted so I thought, man, Sandra, go, go work there. It's a good thing for her, for her to be here. Yeah. So he says, be strong. So he says, what? Take a look. Know where you are. Can you guys still hear me? Oh, there. Okay. Um, he, says, he says, take a look. Understand where you are. Understand who you are. Understand what's going on. And then he says, be strong. He says, be strong because there are going to be days that you don't want to get up. There are going to be days that you don't want to, to go the extra mile. There are, so he says, be strong, right? He says, be strong. And then he says, fear not. So everybody, are you scared this morning? Everybody has some fears, right? Some people have fears running out of money. Some people are going to lose their mind. Some people are fearful of their relationships. Some people are, are there's a million fears, right? And so what, what Haggai says to the people is, listen, take a look, understand where you are, because God knows where you are. Number two is be strong. Don't worry. Be strong and get to work. Doesn't mean that God does everything for you. That means that you partner with God and he'll work with you. And then last thing says, well, don't be scared. And so the older I get, believe it or not, the more fears I get. I'm scared for my kids. I'm scared for who they'll marry. I'm scared who they won't marry. Uh, I'm scared sometimes. And so let me tell you a little story. In our church, uh, we have a church. We have a fellowship hall. We have a church that rents from us, right? And what happened was a lady ran her car through our fellowship hall. And so suddenly I started going, oh, my gosh, the building, how are we going to pay for it, the renters, the money. And I started getting all fearful, and I said, wait, wait, wait. God, this is from you. We did everything that we could do. Let's give it to you. If tomorrow morning we have to bulldoze all the buildings and, that's, and the church is over, let it be over. And that's not what happened. But we got so fearful. So I, told, I went back to my elders. I said, hey, guys, we depend too much on the money and not enough on God. So I said, if we, if we make fearful decisions, we'll never really honor God. And so even personally, maybe God's here telling you guys to do something that you should do, but you're scared to do it because you don't have the money or you don't have whatever. 
I would tell you, I'm 50 years old. I've seen God work. I've seen God be faithful. Do it. When our kids come to us and say, hey, Dad, I think I'm going to try, I said, okay, honey, go for it. Within reason, you know. Our daughter, as you guys know, is in Africa uh, with the Peace Corps. And so I told her, I said, hey, honey, join the Peace Corps. Do what you want. Live life, you know, no fear or whatever. But don't go to Africa. <laughs> Africa's tough. And guess where she goes? Africa. So when you have kids, young people, young parents, uh, your kids will do the exact opposite of what you want them to do. Right? But I couldn't have fear, so I let her go. Uh, I want you to understand this, too. This is the, and this is as a church, as a small church, we want people. Now, as a church plant, do you guys want people in the seats? Right? Of course you do. That's the lifeblood. But I want you to understand is you could market, and we did as a church, when we, me and Sandra had a church, and we market as a church now, and you guys market, and you guys see all this welcome stuff and invite, and, and Rodney's always telling you, invite your friends, right? Invite your friends. We're going to do outreach. But I want you to know that God is the one who provides the people. This is what the Lord God Almighty says. In a little while, when I once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord God. So the people really are brought here by God. And so I tell my little church, 15 to 20 people, um, I say, guys, I know we want people here. I said, but the only person who's going to bring people here is God. And so we pray. We've had some prayer meetings. Um, that, we, that the people of Lantana that we could touch, those people who don't have a church home, would come to our church. And we're in the process. I wish I could tell you that my church is catching fire. Uh, catching fire and we're going we're not the, the future for our church is uncertain the only thing that's not uncertain is that God's with us Amen. see sometimes that's all you get right sometimes you don't get the whole kit and caboodle God just says hey go and I'll go with you don't fear just look at where you are right and he says listen up it's my people now I've been a pastor long enough to know I became a Christian in 87 uh Quickly after that, I got into ministry. I thank God most days that the people that I run into are God's people and not mine. Because I know what to do with my people. There's some people I want to send far away. Right? But I thank God that God loves people and he deals with people like they should be dealt with. And he's always working on them. And I tell you, as a dad, now my kids are 20. I really can't do much to my kids. The only thing I can do is suggest and pray and put them in God's hands. Young parents, how many young parents here this morning? Yeah. I would tell you, put time into your kids. Don't worry about working. Don't worry about, put time into your kids. There's going to be a time where they're going to leave home. And thank God, Sandra and I, we have three wonderful kids. We have three wonderful kids. Sometimes knuckleheads, but wonderful. Right. Okay, so God will provide the people. And then here, every church is worried about money. Are you guys worried about money here? No? You guys have money? Thank God. We, we have, you know, our little church, we have money in the bank. And you know what? I'll tell you, money in the bank is good, but sometimes it can be an idol. See, we want to do an outreach to a school down the street. And I said, hey, guys, why don't we take about $3,000 and do it? And my elders start to get jittery. They're like, well, well, well. I'm like, dude, it's just $3,000. I'm part-time. That's why I can talk like this. I said, it's only $3,000 in the whole scope of the kingdom. In the whole, what's $3,000? It's, 
It's nothing. But look what, look, what, look what Haggai says to the people because they start worrying. He says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord God Almighty. And this is the place where I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. So what he tells the people through Haggai, he says, listen, I own the bank. I got the money. If you're worried about building this temple, don't worry. I'm going to provide the cash. And I'm going to fill it with my glory. So this temple will be better than Solomon's. So think about that. So most of my life, um, I've been, I worked hard, and I worried about money, and I worried about my kids, and I worried about my marriage. And God says, you know what? I got you. Just be faithful, and I got you. Now, does that mean that bad things don't happen? Of course bad things happen. There's things that you don't know. There's things that, that you can't plan for. But what God says is, take a look at where you are, be strong, I'll provide the money, because I own all the money, and I'll provide the people, and I'm going to fill the house with glory. So you know what God's job for Gospel Fellowship is? To fill it up. Now you guys want to be faithful, and I think you guys are being faithful. You guys want to be earnest, and I think you're being earnest. And so that's what I'm telling you. So we were, I, I come to find out, man, I worry about so much stuff that God already has. And so like I told you, I'm not going through a midlife crisis. I do have a red sports car, though. <laughs> right? My wife let me have it so I can have it. And people say, hey, Willie, are you going through a midlife crisis? I go, I'm not. But I've always wanted a sports car because I want to get to ministry faster. <laughs> right? And I said, but you know, one day I'm going to have to let it go, so I think what's going to happen in a couple of years, I'll have to sell it so I can get a Prius. Um, and, uh, and so my, my wife needs a truck, and so we had to sell my car, which is cool. But I'm not going through a midlife crisis, but I keep asking myself, and I pray that this is a question that you'd ask this morning. Are you earnest? Are you living with a sense of not busyness, but urgency? There's a difference. If I had to do it all over again, I would spend more time with my kids. I would spend more time nurturing my relationships. I would spend, and I'm not dying tomorrow. But that's what I would do. Because I spend a lot of time with people who are in their 80s and 90s, and they say, Willie, I wish I would have loved my kids more, and I wish I would have uh, tended my relationships more. And I thank God that with God, because he is God, right, he can reconcile and redeem anything. Does that make sense? So every day I say, I, before I go to bed, I said, Lord, make me earnest. Well, let me see here. Here's some steps that you can do that maybe will help you become, to leave a godly legacy, and will help your life here at Gospel Fellowship. The first one is, I want to tell you, is remember God goes with you. You're not alone. It's in Haggai 2.4. It's in the Bible. It's not, my, it's not my idea. It's the Bible's idea. It's God's idea. God goes with you. Isn't that cool? And the older I get, the more I thank God that he's always with me. So God goes with you. And it's not just in Haggai, it's all over the Bible, right? Remember Moses, he wanted to go, and he says, hey, hey, I don't know if I want to go back to Egypt. And what did God say to him? I'll go with you. Right? Jesus sends out the disciples, right? Matthew 28, what does he say? Lo, I'm with you, even to the ends of the earth, right? So there's not a day, there's not a time, there's not a second that God doesn't go with you. God intimately cares, and he likes you, and he wants to know what's going on in your life. He wants to go with you. There is no road too long that he can't go with you. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that good to know? The older, the older I get, the more I realize I need God to be with me because one day 
I may be in dire straits. So God goes with you. If you want to build a godly legacy, you have to remember God goes with you. The next one is set your past on fire. Philippians 3.13, this is what Paul says, hey, forgetting what's behind and looking forward to what's in front, right? I've, I've made some mistakes. I've made some failures, and I've sinned. Anybody here can relate to me? Right? I want to tell you is some people would say, hey, you know, go to a counselor, which is good, and make friends with your past and, you know, try to understand it. I would tell you, burn your past. I would say set it on fire. I want to tell you that the, the life in front of you is more important than the life is behind you. I don't know how longer I have to live. I don't know. But I can just tell you this is I'm tired of looking back. And I failed at a whole bunch of things, but I'm not a failure. And so what I would tell you is set your past on fire. Don't qualify it. Don't bring it up. The Apostle Paul says, forgetting what's behind, I press forward where? To what's in front. So this morning I can tell you, with God especially, what's in front of you, your future days are more important than your past days. Now this is easier said than done, right? Because the moment you live here, leave here, you're going to say, remember back in 19, it always follows you. So this is a daily burn. But if you want to leave a godly legacy, you've got to set your past on fire. The next thing is in here, examine your life to see where you've become complacent. Haggai 2.3. There are areas in your life and there's are areas in my life that I've let slide, right? Right? Yeah. It's just the way it is. Some of it's our finances, right? Some of it's our health. Some of it's our relationships. Some of it's even our sin life. Some of it's our own personal life. Maybe we, when you came to Christ, you used to read the Bible all the time. Now you don't read it at all. You used to pray all the time. Now you don't pray at all. Now you're busy with school or something and kids, and you think, so be careful that you don't become complacent because the quickest road for you and I to become dull, it doesn't, it's not sharp turns. It's those slow and steady turns that really, that really derail us. So see where you become complacent. And then uh, you would think that this would be a crazy thing, but to, to live a godly legacy, you want to live, live a godly life. First Peter 2, it says, live such excellent lives that the pagans would be impressed. So not that we should talk about politics, but I have a lot of my Christian friends, either they're super excited who's president or they're not super excited who's president. And they go on Facebook and they let me know. Do you have friends like that? And I tell people, man, I, it's important who's president. It's important what they say. It's important who's in the government. But it's more important if every Christian everywhere in the world lived out this Christian faith, do you think it would be a different world? I think it would be. It wouldn't matter who's president. Because the Christians, remember the first Christians in Rome? They didn't have the government on their side. They flipped Rome upside down. And think about this, the early church in Rome, no Instagram, Facebook, or Internet. And they changed the world. So live such a godly life that even people who don't like us will say, man, I don't like you guys, but you guys are the only people that live out this thing. So live a godly life. Um, be faithful to your church. Hebrews 10, 25. And I was going to say on a side note, be nice to your pastor. 
right? It's tough being a pastor. Uh, and some people make it even tougher. You know, I had a lady, uh, uh, I've had people come up to me and say, you know what, Willie? I don't like how you pastor. And they're true. And I said, you know what I said back to them? I don't like pastoring you very much. <laughs> Go to gospel fellowship. <laughs> But be faithful to your church, because that's where you're going to leave a godly legacy. I can tell you, because my wife's intimately involved every week, they're working very hard so that when you come on Sunday morning with your kids and when you come with yourself to get a good message and to have something that will revive your soul, right? And so then you can live out the week in God. And then you have the backing of the church here. So if you, if you come on hard times, you can call Rodney, you can call somebody from the church. Uh, your kids can get a spiritual education, which I think is super important. So be faithful to your church. Now, I'm not just talking about giving. I'm just talking about being here. And then being praying for your pastor and his wife, you know, or giving an encouraging, an encouraging word. But understand, there's a lot of people that do. A lot of stuff so you guys can sit and listen to a message. Well, this is, uh, can you guys see that? That is my mom and my dad. Uh, my mom is Teresa Figueroa, and next to her is my dad, Celso Figueroa. Uh, my parents were not perfect. Anybody here not have perfect parents? That's right. My parents were, were Cuban. They came, in the, they came to Cuba. They came to here from Cuba in the 1950s. Uh, not perfect parents. But you know what? They did a wonderful job raising me, me and my brother. Uh, the reason I do this is because this is how important a godly legacy is, and this is what I want to encourage you. I want you to have a godly legacy for yourself. I want you to have a godly legacy for your family, and I want you to have a godly legacy uh, for uh, your church. Well, let me tell you something about my mom. My mom never really could see very well. Uh, she was invited to go to a Sunday school class from a lady who was a retired missionary who spoke Spanish, and she would bring me to church with her. And in fourth grade, when I would go with my mom, we wouldn't go to church. I don't know why we didn't go to church and stick out for church, but we'd go to Sunday school religiously every Sunday. In that fourth grade class, Miss Wisby, a lady, I don't know who they get to teach fourth grade Sunday school class. I'm terrified of teaching fourth grade Sunday school class. But this lady, with her husband, faithfully would come and teach the gospel and the lesson every Sunday at a church. One Sunday, that lady says, "Does anybody here would like to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. A, four, a fourth grader brought to the church by his mom, who was taught by a faithful missionary who had just retired from the mission field but spoke Spanish so my mom could have class raised his hand. And so I started going to church like every kid does. And my dad, I don't know about your dad, he never went to church. So one day I came home, and this is a different era, parents. I came home and told my dad, Dad, I'm not going to church. And you know what my dad said? He had never been to church. He says, Willie, you can't make that decision. You're not old enough. You're going to church. And you know what I did back then? When your parents said something back then, you did what? You did it. And so my dad, who never went to church, sent me to church. And me going to church radically changed my life. Now, I can tell you that none of my parents 
ever said, I'm going to have a godly legacy. I want to leave a godly legacy. They were too busy working and doing the things that people do. But you know what they did? They backed into it, and they gave me a godly legacy that I'll always thank God be eternally grateful for. So this morning, um, I'm going to ask you to, to have a godly legacy for yourself, for your family, and for your church. The danger is that tomorrow is Monday morning, and I know that by next Sunday you'll forget everything I just told you. But I can tell you, parents and young people, is what I would do is I'd live with a sense of urgency. Maybe today you have to go and write stuff down of what you want to do and stop doing. Maybe you got to re, uh, redo your priorities with your kids. Maybe you got to maybe downsize so you can spend some time with your kids. Maybe you got to call Rodney and say, hey, Rodney, thanks for having a place that I can come and my kids can get educated and I can get educated. Uh, maybe you have to do that. But I would tell you, like in Haggai's day, there's never a good time to start. There's always some hindrance. So I would tell you this morning that's the most important thing. And um, I'm living proof. I think not, my parents are not on the earth anymore. One day I hope to see them. They're not here. But I thank God every day that God put me with them. And that my mom thought enough to bring me to church. And my dad thought enough to force me to go to church. <laughs> so let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Um, Lord, I guess it would be um, easy to be scared, to think about the money and the check boxes that we have to do and all the things that wait for us tomorrow morning. But Lord, I pray that we would not worry about those things as much, but that uh, you would give us the ability and the passion and the foresight to build a godly legacy. Lord, I pray for gospel fellowship. I pray, Lord God, it's five years old. I pray that it would be 205 years old. I know that most of the people in this church, when it's, it's in its huge heyday, when it has the big buildings probably, when it's already done ministry for 75, 80, 90 years, it won't be here. But their groundwork, their foundation will. So I pray that you give them strength, Lord. Give them strength that they would build a God legacy in their own lives, that they would see where they're becoming complacent. But I also pray, Lord God, for the young parents here, the fathers and mothers, who bring their little ones to church and don't think much of it, who tell them about Jesus and don't think much of it, who nurture them, Lord God, and teach them right from wrong and love them. Lord God, those lessons I know because I see people at the end of their life those lessons will always ring true. And I thank you, Lord God, for my parents who were far from perfect but brought me to church. And Lord God, I pray that they would have a lasting impact in this church. If somebody here, if you're calling somebody to be involved in ministry, that you just touch them. That they wouldn't take their gospel fellowship for granted. Lord, I pray for my little church. I pray that our best days are in front of us. I pray for this congregation. I know its best days are in front of. I pray that you give us Godspeed. Help us to achieve the things that we need to achieve. There's a blessing that I always leave my patients with, and I'd like to give it to you this morning. Uh, I'm not a good singer, but I sing it to them. 
And it goes like this. It goes, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace and give you peace. I pray for you, my beloved Christian brothers and sisters, that you would have peace and that you would have Godspeed. Amen and amen. Have a great week. Thank you.